The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 185 of the podcast. Are you joining us live here on YouTube? Today is Sunday, April 12th, Easter Sunday. Hope everybody is having uh, a very enjoyable, quality family day in quarantine this Easter Sunday. Um, it, it's got to be weird for people who are have been locked in a house with their family for the last couple of weeks or so and you know this would usually be a day where you see these people that that you don't normally see and and have dinner with them and have drinks and have a good time but a little different times we're living in right now so we're gonna try and give you guys a little bit of content get your minds off it for a little while at least so with that let me introduce my co-host all the way from quarantine new jersey jeff the animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Easter Sunday, my man? Well, I feel good. Uh, just been watching movies all day. Well, actually, not movies, more like cheers. I'm on season 10. And, you know, just playing video games. Uh, took a break from the reading today. So, um, you know, it's it's Easter Sunday. And also, it is the week of Passover for our Jewish listeners. So, happy Passover. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, a, a tradition of celebrating uh, their escape from Egypt in the Old Testament for the Israelites. Just a little history lesson. And yeah, so, you know, a uh, couple of things going on this week, Bill. Yeah. Um, one thing that's not going on, UFC 249 uh, was was supposed to be coming up. And, um, you know, Disney had to step in and and tell Dana White to back down. And, uh, you know, he had to bow down to the mouse. Uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, you know, it's the responsible decision. I think everything that, that could be said about it has been said already. Uh, you can't fault the fighters for wanting to fight because they're fighters. That's what they do. Um, if you tell them that you're going to ship them to an island and they're going to fight there, cool. Real fighters are going to do that. Um, probably irresponsible, though, because you have to have like even if you were going to do it like really right you'd have to quarantine everybody for like 2 weeks after on the island just to be safe with medical professionals there and if you're going to do that you're taking medical professionals away um from you know from helping other people elsewhere not on a private island for a sporting event um so yeah i i mean i felt i felt the same way about it as i did about Dana White's sex tape, you know, felt like it was irresponsible. Um, somebody might get sick, um, but I was probably going to watch. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Any, any thoughts on this, Jeff? I want to move on from it pretty quick, though. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I, I was surprised that they didn't cancel it sooner. I didn't think this card was going to happen. Um, you know, the world is, you know, in a certain state right now. And I felt like 
the, for me, the big thing was was when WrestleMania was um, not before a live audience because that's you know that's WWE's bread and butter, man. That's their money maker. So you mm-hmm. figure if something that big was going to get canceled, essentially. Um, cause a lot of it was pre-taped and stuff. You know, I, I kind of had a feeling that sooner or later, we we're going to hear about UFC 249 not happening on the bright side though. It means that Khabib versus Tony Ferguson will happen whenever, you know, uh, we get to back to normal here, but yeah, you know, not super surprised. Um, you know, so uh, it is what it is. I know that Dana White is getting a lot of flack from people online, and I don't understand why. I mean, you got to understand that, you know, it's the circumstances have changed. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, I mean, I understand why he's getting flack. It was um, it's kind of a selfish move and people are locked up in their houses and they, they want shit to be angry about. Um and Dana White's just an easy guy to take your anger out on. Um, and, and as a promoter, that's kind of his job. Um, they, you know, they were going to do good numbers. It was going to be the only live sporting event on the planet, pretty much. Um, so, you know, even if a bunch of people don't like him, they're still talking about him. And that's his job. Um, so, yeah, the, the WrestleMania thing is interesting because I saw some clips of it where they didn't have the audience. And I remember, like, as a kid when I was into the pro wrestling, I would rent the VHS tapes of, like, the older WrestleManias and, and see them having places at, like, the Hoosier Dome and, and like, it, you know, these big arenas and all these people, and, like Hulk Hogan and all this stuff. And it, it's it's wild to think that, and an event like that is going to be time stamped because of because of what's going on right now. Um, so that's that's definitely interesting. And they they split it up over two days too, right? Yeah, which I thought was a good idea because you know you remember I went last year, Bill, and it was absolutely terrible. Um, don't get me wrong, WrestleMania itself, you know, the event, the spectacle, the pageantry was awesome, but having to sit there for like 12 hours and it was cold and it was at MetLife Arena, which is outside. So I felt bad for the for the female wrestlers who were half naked and freezing their butts off, all for my entertainment. Um, so I kind of felt bad, but, uh, yeah, dude, it, it was not very enjoyable having a, cause WrestleMania is an all day thing, dude. I got there early, um, and it not very early either, maybe like half an hour, an hour before and dude, just sitting there for so long, you know, I was entertained the whole time, but at the same time, I, I just, I couldn't handle it. So I think splitting it up over two nights was a good idea. And I think that splitting it up over two nights in the future is a good idea too. Uh, I think that's a good marketing strategy for WWE. Maybe sell, you know, like packages where you can get uh, both nights uh, at a discounted price or something. Uh, so, you know, it could be a, something to look into into the future. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm sure they'll they'll figure out the, the best way to go about it. I think, they're probably getting away from the the pay-per-view model. I know they they were pretty quick to jump on the subscription-based uh, services. That seems to be the direction a lot of a lot of things are headed. And um, the WWE has always been ahead of the curve on, on a lot of marketing things, which is why they they've been able to monopolize uh, the pro wrestling realm for so many years, so many decades, actually. Um, 
<clears throat> I want to tell Jeff, I want to tell you a little drinking story since this is a, this is also a booze podcast. We don't just, we don't have a lot of MMA to talk about. I'm going to tell you one of my favorite drinking stories from college. And um, if you want to think about one to tell too, uh, I'm sure the people would love to hear it. Um, but this is from my freshman year. And um, you, you know me, Jeff, I, I like to drink, um, but I don't really, uh, I don't really like to drink in excess. You know, I don't like to, I don't like to get sick and, and, um, you know, get, get hung over and stuff. And I don't, I don't typically get hangovers anyway, even though, uh, even if I, I do drink a lot. Um, and, and just because I don't like the, the stupidity of it and, mm. you know, a- acting foolish and, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll have, I'll have a bunch of whiskey and, and get kind of silly on here, but you know, I won't do anything outrageous. So freshman year of college, uh, I wasn't even that, uh, big into drinking at this point. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't really get an appreciation for alcohol until after I turned 21, you know, I drank here and there, but, um, didn't really appeal to me cause I saw like the stupid shit people would do. So I lived in a, in a tower, went to university at Albany, uh, back in New York state, uh, state capital, Albany, New York. And, um, I lived in a tower. It was a 21 floor tower. I lived on the 19th floor and it was a suite of six guys. And, uh, you know, half of them were kind of party animals and the rest of us were kind of low key. Uh, I was really into fitness and everything that year. Cause I, I was gonna, I was gonna try and walk onto the lacrosse team. Um, so there, there was, um, there was three other suites on the floor. Um, two suites of girls and another suite of guys. And, um, you, you, we all become friendly, uh, especially because we all had a class that we took together that, that took place, uh, in a meeting room, like right on our floor. There was like a, there was like a common space and we would all take a class together, uh, Tuesday mornings. So, uh, one of the girls from one of the other suites, uh, she, she got really hammered and came back and, and ordered Chinese food. And she was sitting on the floor in our sweet common area, eating her Chinese food, just totally shit faced. She had gone to one of these happy hours that was like quarter beers or something. So she's, she's packing away this Chinese food and you know, you you know, the look on somebody when they're, they're about to get sick, you know, you just be like, (laughs) I already know what's going on. I love it. (laughs) The eyes start rolling in different directions. And, um, I, I was like, you gotta, you gotta go, you know, go back to your room and, uh, you know, drink some water, go to bed. She's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. She puts her Chinese food to the side and then she starts going towards the bathroom. I'm like, no, 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 go back to your room. So, <laughs> so this my, is all taking place in your room. Yeah. So my sweet mate oh, grabs her by her ankles and starts trying to drag her out the door to, to like, carry her back to her room and he goes to open the door and let's go of her for a second and she goes crawling to the bathroom and just pukes all over the floor so jeez oh, chinese food and quarter beer everywhere um so then we help her up and we carry her back to her room and all right you go to bed and like all right how do we deal with this now like we we weren't prepared for this like between the six of us we had like maybe a roll of paper towel so I was like, I got an idea. I saw a janitor's closet in the basement. 
And uh, mm. I don't think they lock it. And they got a mop and bucket. So uh, me and my, my sweet mate, we go down to the basement. We get the mop and bucket. They had the soap and everything there. Fill it up with water. We bring it upstairs. We didn't really have a clue how to use the mop and bucket either. So, you know, we we put this put the soapy water. We mop up all her vomit and and like low main whatever the fuck <laughs> whenever she was eating. And um, you know, we drain it. We drain the mop and in, back into the bucket, and then uh, we bring it back downstairs. Like, all right, mission accomplished. You know, the bathroom's clean now. Um, they they would usually come in and clean once a week. Uh, anyway um in the dorms so this was on um friday i guess because that's when they used to do the quarter beer happy hour so come monday everybody comes back from class and as soon as you open the door of the tower it's it stunk like there was just awful smell and we go we get in the elevator and we get off on the 19th floor and the whole 19th floor smells awful and we were like, what is going on? We're like, and, and nobody put it together. And we were all sitting around and I was like, hey, you know what? They probably just used that mop. That oh, we used, dude. That, that we used to, um, to clean up the puke. And they cleaned all the elevators with it. So now every oh. floor stinks. <laughs> so. <laughs> and, it, and it smelled Horrible, Jeff. It smelled like death. It smelled like death warmed over, like oh. like a hot dumpster fire. And um, so we have our class on Tuesdays in the common space, and this girl is going on and on about the awful smell in the building. And um, she was kind of like an uppity Long Island girl, mm. um, which is you know which was pretty common at State College in New York on and on like wouldn't stop so um i had to cut her off and i was like i hate to break it to you but this whole tower smells like your vomit because we had to use a mop we had to use a janitor's mop to clean up the puke you you spewed all over our bathroom and they must have used the mop to clean the elevators this is your fault so stop complaining and that was um you know, that's just one of those stories. Like, I'll always remember that night, man. I'm like, like, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. And like, we didn't think to, to empty out the bucket. <laughs> like, we were just dumb college kids. Like, college kids do stupid shit. Um, it just happens. Like, like if it were now, we, it probably would have been on um, all over the Internet. We would have been Snapchatting the whole thing or, like, Instagram Live or something. But luckily, um, the, the internet wasn't as prevalent then. The only thing around was MySpace. Um, but yeah, man, that was, um, and, and that's one of the reasons I don't enjoy drinking in excess. I don't want to be the person that's puking Chinese food all over somebody's bathroom floor. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the old, the old mop tower story, I call it. 
Um, he, you got, you got anything you want to share, Jeff? You got a, you got a funny one? Oh man. Um, well I did have one, but I think I already shared that one on the show a couple of years back. That was my first year teaching when, uh, when that school, that, that the first school that I, um, taught at didn't call me back in September. So, you know, I, I just wanted to, to loosen up a little bit that weekend. So I remember, <clears throat> telling you that story on the air but um it's it's not a drinking story but it is something that happened while i was in college um and this story it's it's always just been so funny to me because like i there i i'm not making this up and um you know bill you know pretty well that i was working at a gas station my all through college and then my first year after college excuse me and um, there was just some funny stuff that happened at that job, man. Like it was like, um, how how do I com- what do I compare this to, man? Like you would think it, it's something so mundane, but like the stuff that would happen was pretty funny. So, um, one particular story, it was um, so we would get you know, um, because we were on a highway, we would get a lot of trucks going to uh, Newark airport or going into uh, from other States into towns in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So um, this one time uh, this guy is transporting bees to Florida. Um, so I'm like, okay, so I'm a little nervous because, you know, I, I forget who's working on diesel because that's a separate station. It might've been me. Was it me? Actually, it was me. Yeah, it was me. So, um, so this is nothing that I did. It's not my fault, Bill. It's just what happened. So, um, so I see this truck and it's got, you know, just like those big wooden, uh, beehive things. I forget what they're called. Um, but yeah, it's just got stacks and stacks of them. Like, it's like the, the width and length of a trailer, but just picture it with tons of bees. Okay. Instead of instead of like actual, you know, instead of like a container, it's just got these like wooden blocks of bees, and I don't know how um, experienced this guy was with working with bees, but for some reason, um, they're a little agitated. I don't think they're too excited about the constant moving, and there's probably bumps in the road and stuff. So uh, this guy fuels up. And, you know, I'm working on diesel, so I take care of it. Like, I fill up both of his tanks uh, of diesel, and everything's fine. You know, there's just a couple... For the, just for the listeners, in, in the state of New Jersey, you can't pump your own gas. There has to be an attendant who has to do it for you. Yes, I completely forgot about that, because not everybody lives in New Jersey. But, yeah, so New Jersey, somebody does it for you. Uh, we don't charge you or anything. So, um so I'm taking care of this truck and you know, it's fine. Like I got a couple of bees flying around me, but it's whatever. I'm not bothering them. So it's fine, but it's what happens after this guy pulls off to the side and we have a hose on the side of the building. So this guy thinks that to calm down these agitated bees, he's going to spray all of them with water. So, so he sprays all of them with water, you know, like the whole thing, the whole trailer size container of bees and at first i'm not thinking anything of it until he leaves but the bees don't go with him bill (laughs) 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 um so um so so the bees don't go with him they decide that the water has effectively ticked them off and they stick around 
So at first it's only a couple, but then then it just got so out of control. Like that, like I dude, I had probably four or five bees just like, and I had shorter hair at this time, so I just have like four or five bees like crawling around on my scalp, and I'm trying my hardest not to freak out so that I don't tick them off any further. Um, and like, oh man, dude, they're they're flying all around us. <clears throat> um, so we actually had to close the gas station because of how bad it was. Like, uh, so. At gas stations, you know, in New Jersey, we have booths where if it's cold, you can sit in there um, and, you know, you just sit in there. There's nothing special going on, um, but they're they're more for like bad weather, like if it's cold out or whatever. Uh-huh. And like inside my booth, like on the windows, the windows are just lined with bees that are just angry and probably don't know where they are. So we have to close down the whole thing. And, dude, all of us got stung. Like, everybody who was working that day. Like, I had one bee actually do, like, a kamikaze move and, like, fly up my nostril. And he got stuck. Yeah, so he gets stuck and freaks out. So he stings me on, like, my upper lip. Uh, One flew up my shirt, freaked out, stung me in the chest. Um, Luckily, none went down my pants. So I was was grateful for that. But, uh, dude, it was just such a crazy day we actually had to call like a beekeeper to come and like calm them all down and take them away and stuff but dude i i have never been more scared like you know bees don't usually bother me uh you know if you stand still and and you don't like mess with them they'll leave you alone but bill there were so many of them and they were just everywhere man like ever since then i i don't look at bees the same way Uh, i don't get nervous around them but i'm not a fan of them all right I have so many questions. <laughs> like, so this this truck is just it's just open, so the bees can fly in and out of the truck as they want. Right. So when he drives like on the highway, what what's keeping all the bees on the truck? Well, they're like they've made like honeycombs and stuff, so I guess that's keeping them on the truck. But other than that, there's they're not like inside anything. There's like a whole bunch of them just flying around. You would think they would put like a net or something. You know, in hindsight, that would have been that would have been very helpful for the rest of the world. And then, like, obviously, the hose was a bad idea. But then, the beekeeper who came to calm down the bees, like, I, how does this work? Does this, is this guy like a bee whisperer? Like, he comes and he's like, "All right, listen, <laughs> oh man, let's just relax. Nobody's your enemy here." <laughs> yeah dude I, I i luckily i wasn't there by the time the beekeeper got there but th- i remember this happening at like one o'clock and my shift was until three and we just closed down the station for two hours our manager was really smart because she didn't know if anybody was allergic to bee stings, so she gave us all benadryl which i thought was a good call for like antihistamines and stuff in case anybody broke out mm-hmm. um but yeah, dude, it just and then like the bee stings hurt for like a couple of days after. I was like, is this normal? Is this like snake venom? Is it gonna kill me if enough of these things? Oh yeah, me? yeah, it could. It really could. And it, and the thing is, even if you're not allergic, I had to learn this the hard way. The more times you get stung, the the more allergic you become. Even if you had no allergies. So I've been stung a bunch of times, and then. I told you this story on the show um, maybe about a little less than a year ago when I was picking mangoes from my mango tree. Yeah. And um, I guess there were bees 
So I was up in the tree and pulling the mangoes down and the bees didn't like me doing that. And, uh, stung the shit out of me. And, um, yeah, I got real swollen and it, it hurt for a couple of days. Um, yeah. All right. Well, good story. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I dude, it, it all by, uh, yeah, I never thought that would happen, but, uh, I, still I mean, have so many more questions like, <laughs> but Hey, I don't, I don't think you'll have the answer. So it'll just be, <laughs> I probably I'll won't be, dude. I'll just be putting them out there for the world. Yeah, man. And like the funniest thing was like, while all this madness is going on, this one customer, um, just pulls up and is like, I guess he was having a bad day or something, but he was so upset that like nobody would help him out with the gas because we shut the pumps off too. So like you like you need uh, an ID to log in and actually pump gas. So obviously he didn't have one, this one customer, and he's like still trying to get gas while there's like bees like circling his head and stuff. Um, yeah, dude, it, I just I don't know, man. I, I think that that story might have scarred me for life. Like I never thought something like that would happen at a, at this mundane job, but hey, man, stuff like that is what made it exciting. Um, and there was this one time that a guy gave me six pounds of nacho cheese because he was transporting cheese. So, what did what did you do with six pounds of nacho cheese? Oh, I gave it away, dude. I didn't want it. What was I gonna do with it? <laughs> was it was he just in like a tanker? <laughs> it's just like he had a valve and he would just pump out six pounds oh man no but uh he had uh like it, it was just like I, I guess it was like for a restaurant or something that needed all this nacho cheese but uh yeah he just gave me this big like can it was like this big um and yeah it was six pounds of nacho cheese and then there was this one time that this one truck driver stayed overnight and he was transporting ice cream, but he, he ran out of fuel overnight. So, <laughs> so the ice cream started melting and he was like, well, I, I can't like take this to the, to the person that it's going to like, it, it's done at this point. Like I can't refreeze it. So what of one of my coworkers was just like, Hey, if you can't, you know, get rid of it. We can help you out. So, you know, we had some free ice cream that day. It was a little melted, but it was fine. Like so milkshakes. Free, how much ice cream did you eat, Jeff? Um, I guess the equivalent of three milkshakes. Oh, it was already man. it was already half melted. It wasn't all at the same time, Bill. Come on. But but still, that's a lot of dairy. Yeah, but I'm not lactose intolerant, so it's fine. <laughs> Oh man, I am after hearing that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So a lot of a lot of fun stuff happened at that job. It and Bill, like you, you need a whole side podcast about this gas station <laughs> job. Um, I don't know, dude. I mean, we, dude, honestly, we had some characters were, who worked at that job. Like, uh, two of the managers were dating each other, and like they they were both psych complete psychopaths. So like cars were getting keyed up hoods were getting stomped in you know bill maybe the side podcast isn't such a bad idea yeah like hey jeff you got any drinking stories no and how do you feel about bees and ice cream <laughs> yeah dude i love bees it. and ice cream that's a good name for the podcast yeah yeah it's uh I, I i think you'll get people tuning in just 
who like ice cream and and bees. There are people out there obsessed with bees, man. Uh, James Hetfield, the lead singer of Metallica, he he uh, breeds bees. Or I don't know if he breeds them, but he has them. Hmm. Keeps bees on his. He lives on like a ranch by himself. He has a bunch of bees. Um, I want to talk about uh, you know, there's not a lot of MMA stuff going on, but I've been trying to find some content to talk about, and uh, I've been watching a bunch of documentaries. Uh, so I have two recommendations for you guys, and I'll, I'll talk to you about them, Jeff. And, and they're both, I found them both on Amazon Prime, but I think you could also find them on YouTube movies. And the first one is called, uh, this is the one I recommend everybody check out. The, the other one is like, is more of a bias from me. It's about one of my favorite fighters. Uh, but the first one is called Wrestled Away. And uh, it's a, a documentary about a guy named Lee Kemp who he he was a, a beast of an amateur wrestler jeff uh, uh and this guy was just like an unstoppable force uh he went on to become a three-time world champion he would have become uh an olympic champion but um he he was going through college his college years in the late 70s so he would have been going to the 1980 olympics uh which the united states did not participate in because the president decided not to send an Olympic team over because the Olympics were being held in Moscow. Mm. The Cold War was going on. Russia had just invaded Afghanistan to, uh, to kind of set up communism over there or reinforce communism over there. Um, so the, the president decided to protest the Olympics, and they, they wouldn't send a team there. But uh, had had they gone, he was like, um, the hands down favorite Lee Kemp to win the gold medal that, that year, like everybody thought he was going to go over there easily win the gold medal. And, um, because he didn't, it changed his life drastically because as a wrestler, if you don't go to the Olympics, like that's it, nobody knows who you are. Um, if you, if you go to the Olympics and you win a gold medal, that changes your life forever. Um, it opens up so many opportunities. And I knew of Lee Kemp. Um, you know, I knew he was a world champion. I, I didn't follow closely enough to know about him missing out on the Olympics. And then um, he he tried out again for the 84 Olympics, and he wound up losing in the trials to Dave Schultz, who mm. would go on to win the gold medal. You guys probably know Dave Schultz from the Foxcatcher movie. Yep. Uh, and the Foxcatcher documentaries also great. I would recommend those as well. I'm not sure where you find them right now, but um, those are good movies. Um, so, but I didn't know his story. Um, like he he had a really wild upbringing, um, like a lot of tragedy and a, a lot of hardship, and and what he had to go through to become this phenomenal wrestler. And then I, I also knew he he used to be the wrestling coach at Team Alpha Male. Uh, when he was like, uh, yeah, when he was like 60 years old and he, he had also been like the Olympic coach, but, um, what happened to him between not being able to go to the 1980 Olympics and, uh, becoming the Olympic coach is the wildest part of the story. And yeah, I don't want to ruin it for you guys. Cause I want you to, to watch the documentary. It's so good. Um, it's such, it's such an emotional story. 
Um, you, you really feel for this guy because he's like such a good guy and he was such an incredible wrestler. The things he did were just unbelievable. Um, he he wrestled Dan Gable when he was 18 years old and beat him. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. So that's why. And then, you know, Dan Gable would, would go on to coach him later on. Um, and and he was going to be hit the coach of the Olympics that that Lee Kemp would have gone to. Um, but yeah, it's a really, the, the, the wildest part of the story is his upbringing and then what happens to him, um, in the interim. So I, I, I definitely recommend everybody, everybody check that out. Uh, Lee Kemp, um, wrestled away is the name of the documentary. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, just, just a beast. And I, I, I would have loved to have seen what would have happened if this guy got into MMA, you know, because like. They, they show, and there's a lot of MMA fighters in the documentary too, mostly just in the beginning and the end, like Cormier is there because Cormier um, was coached by Lee Kemp on the Olympic team. Henry Cejudo was coached by Lee Kemp. Um, Uriah Faber's on there because of, uh, you know, he hired him at, at Team Alpha Male to be the wrestling coach for a little while. Um, but supposedly he used to throw these young, uh, these young MMA fighters around in the gym at 60 years old. Uh, in such incredible shape yeah really cool documentary um and and like i said i always knew of lee kemp you know as a wrestler and like you know his wrestling credentials but i know his story and it's wild man i i definitely recommend watching it yeah dude i'm 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 a big wrestling fan uh you know not just wwe but yeah dude that's something I, I definitely got to check out. You know, I never wrestled in high school and I always regretted it after, like once I got into it, mm-hmm. uh, like, like once I started training jujitsu, I, I was just like, man, I'd be such a better fighter if I just wrestled in high school, like even one season, like, <laughs> such a better grappler. It, it really does make a difference and not just, um, not just in the skill set, but in a mindset, mm. you know, because wrestling is such a grind. And, and to to have that mentality to be able to push through adversity and push through being tired, um, man, nobody does it like wrestlers, which is why wrestlers go on to become the, the best MMA fighters. I mean, majority of the UFC champions all have wrestling backgrounds. Um, and it's not just because they can dictate where the fight takes place. It's because of the work ethic they have and and that competitive edge that they have um that it really puts them over the top um which brings me into my second recommendation for a documentary and um this one i might be a little bit biased uh that i liked it so much and it this one is like more of a low budget documentary they're both kind of low budget documentaries but those are good sometimes and this one is called driven and it's about jen's pulver who's one of the early on like really one of the godfathers of the lighter weight classes in the UFC. Uh, Jens Pulver, you know, when people ask me like, who are the fighters that got me into MMA? I'll I'll always name Jens Pulver as one of those people because he was a smaller guy. Uh, We're about the same height. Uh, He was a wrestler and the guy just had so much power. He was fucking starching people, Jeff. I mean, he was a guy who, you know, he, he could have fought at 135 pounds probably. 
um, but had to fight it at, at 155 and 145 because those are the only weight classes available at the time. And he was knocking dudes out, man, this little guy, and, and just putting people out cold. Um, and this, uh, this documentary follows him towards the end of his career. Uh, I don't know if it wound up being his last fight or not, but it, his fight camp leading up to a fight. And uh, in the middle of it, he just talks about his story and, um, you know, being abused by his dad and um, it, growing up and, and having how wrestling was his only escape. Like his mom used to drive him really far away to wrestling tournaments. And, and, and then that was the only time he ever felt happy because then he had to go back home to his dad who was abusing him, even put a shotgun in his mouth at one point. Um, just like heinous, heinous shit. Like he had a really rough life, um, but wrestling was his escape. And then he, he got into MMA like right, right when it started. Uh, basically, uh, as soon as they had the lower weight class, as soon as they had weight classes and they had the lower weight classes, um, you know, he was the first, uh, the first uh, champion at 155, I believe, in the UFC. Uh, I don't know if I remember correctly, but they, they follow his training, and uh, he just talks about his mindset leading up to a fight and how his emotions go up and down. And and at some points, it drags a little bit, but I, I dare you to watch this whole thing and not love Jens Pulver by the end of it. Uh, and then I encourage you guys to, uh, since you have nothing better to do, if you're looking for some good fights to watch, go back and watch some old Jens Pulver fights. But if you're not familiar with Jens Pulver, watch the documentary first and then go back and watch his fights. Cause then you'll see all the emotional things this guy has been through and, and the, the shitty life he had. And, uh, it, it'll really make you appreciate, uh, the performances he put on earlier in his career. He was, he was a beast, man. He was definitely, um, you, you know, one of the people who got me into the sport, uh, hands down. Um, well, what's your experience with, with little evil Jens Pulver? Uh, I'll be honest with you, Bill. I, I'm actually not too familiar with him just because uh, I was getting into MMA, you know, like 2013-ish. Mm-hmm. So Jens Pulver's pretty much at the end of his career there, but I'm definitely going to check out that, uh, that documentary. I love documentaries on fighters and stuff. And I always feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, like adversity makes for good stories, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, in the books, if, you know, if the hero or whatever, everything goes his way and he saves the princess at the end, you know, with little to no trouble, you know, nobody's going to read that. So mm-hmm. I always feel like adversity makes for good stories, but yeah, dude, um, I just wanted to touch on the Foxcatcher um, that you were talking about before, yeah. dude, that is a great movie. I haven't seen the documentary, but the movie is fantastic. Um, and um, it's it stars um, Steve Carell mm-hmm. as, as um, what was that dude's name? It was like a French name. Uh not Dave Schultz, the guy who was paying him to basically uh, uh, train them. I can look it up right now. Yeah, but anyway, uh, Steve Carell's fantastic. I think they give him like a fake nose to make him look like the guy a little bit more. But dude, uh, Steve Carell. John DuPont. Yes, thank you. Um, I knew it was French sounding, but yeah, John DuPont. Um, 
Steve Carell does such a great job playing him. Uh, you know, e- even the way that he like talks and stuff, like I didn't see, and Bill, I'm not a big, like, you know, I don't know. I'm not like a movie buff, you know, I enjoy them, but I'm not like an expert crit- critique or, um, whatever, but dude, uh, Steve Carell, like you, you forget that it's him. You forget Mm -hmm. that Steve Carell, uh, you know, his acting is just so phenomenal. And for those of you who know the story of John DuPont and Dave Schultz, you know, you kind of know how it ends. And it's so out of nowhere in the movie. Um, But yeah, such a maybe people don't know how it ends. Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it's so out of nowhere. um, You know, just just the 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 switch at the end. But the the premise is this eccentric billionaire out in uh, Pennsylvania is puts together like a camp for wrestlers where he put he tries to build like a dream team of wrestlers that would go to the Olympics and and all this and he would pay them a salary and uh, you know give them a nice house to live in which you know for wrestlers that's you know just having food to eat um, yeah. You know, if you're training for the Olympics, it, you know, you're not making a ton of money. You don't have time to, to work a job. You're training your ass off. Um, so he gave these guys a lot of opportunity. But, uh, you know, he was a bit of a nut. Um, great cast in that movie, too. Channing Tatum, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, um, yeah. Play the, play the Schultz brothers. Um, yeah. They were awesome in that as well. Yeah, um, Steve Carell steals the show in that movie, dude. Like all the, all the acting's great, but Steve Carell just, you know, he stuck out to me so much and, you know, connecting all this back to to wrestling here and pro wrestling too to some extent. But I would have and this is kind of random, but I've been thinking about this for a couple of weeks now uh cuz uh I think it was NBC released uh Kurt Angle winning the was it 96 Olympics? I think uh, so. Yeah, you know, with a broken neck and used to always brag about it. But, dude, seeing him do it, uh, it was just absolutely crazy. Kurt Angle is somebody who, if MMA had been bigger, I would have loved to. And if he didn't have the broken neck, I would have loved to see him as an MMA fighter. Um, Like, I I remember watching him on, like, Pros versus Joes, just throwing these guys like they were, you know, punching bags. And... He was such a talented wrestler, Bill, and you know, eventually he became uh, so so good on the mic in in the WWE. But I remember his first couple of matches, Bill, that people would boo him, and and like I I, I would I would see why because they didn't understand what was happening. You know, Kurt Angle was actually wrestling people. Um, he was using technique and stuff, which is something that. You know, up until this point, nobody sees in the WWE. Uh, nobody does that anymore either. You know, yeah. Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle is a technician, dude. Um, and even nowadays, nobody can actually wrestle in the WWE, um, whereas Kurt Angle could. And and when I say wrestle, I mean obviously like Olympic style wrestling. I mean freestyle wrestling. I mean uh, Greco-Roman style wrestling. Yeah. Uh, you know what they do in the WWE? Yeah, they're putting moves together. That's called chain wrestling, but it's it's so different. And you got to remember, they're also trying to put on a show. Whereas Kurt Angle didn't fall into that. You know, he was he was trying to actually grapple people, and he made it look so easy, dude. Yeah, well, that's because it is for him to just throw around somebody that that isn't trained in that sport. You know, and um. Yeah, it would have been interesting. There was a lot of talk about him transitioning over to MMA, um, but the timing was never right. The money was never right. Um, 
I, I think he even had like a match scheduled at one point and he was training. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, once you break your neck, man, that that's kind of it for combat sports. And I, you know, the, the pro wrestling is, is grueling enough. Just that, that schedule of life mm -hmm. on the road and, uh, um, which is, uh, an, another, I'll give you guys a third documentary I watched was, uh, about the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase's son, who I didn't know was also a pro wrestler, but, um, it, this one's also on Amazon prime. I think it's, everybody has a price <laughs> and it was, uh, and, title. <laughs> yeah, it, it was very misleading. Cause I thought it was going to be about old school wrestling, like WWF and stuff. And, um, in the beginning, it, it kind of was that. And then it gets into Ted DiBiase Jr.'s relationship with his dad. And um, it, they go deep, man. They go deep emotionally. And uh, it gets very religious. Um, they, 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 they both talked about, you know, Ted DiBiase talked about how he used to do all this wild stuff on the road. And then how it broke his heart. Um you know, that he cheated on his wife and stuff while he was out, uh, out on the road. And, uh, he didn't want to be that person anymore. So he had to, he had to find God to keep him away from that stuff. And, and, uh, the, the way it ended up was surprising and I won't, I won't, uh, spoil that for you guys. And, you know, you know, those of you who follow wrestling closely might've known this story, but I didn't. So it was surprising to me the way it turned out. But if you want to check out that documentary, um, to me, it wasn't as, I wasn't as into it as the other two that I mentioned, but um, if you like old school wrestling and you like, uh, you know, family drama type things and, and with a with a bit of a religious twist, then then definitely check that one out. Have you been uh, been watching anything interesting, Jeff, while while being in quarantine? Uh, not really other than rewatching cheers for the now like seventh or eighth time. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I'm on season 10. Uh, I just, I just think it's such a well-written show, man. The one liners are great. Um, <clears throat> especially Carla, I'm appreciating her one liners more and more as I rewatch the show. Um, but I've also been watching Ozark, which, but I think you'd like that show. It's about uh drug cartels. Mm -hmm. Uh, it also stars Jason Bateman, who is like, uh, one of my favorite actors. I think he, he can basically play anything that's like funny, but serious and business. Like I, I think he's really good. Um, yeah, so Ozark is pretty interesting. I, I don't want to get too into the plot for those of you who haven't watched it. But yeah, it does get into drug cartels and uh, just really interesting how how because he's like coming from the corporate world and trying to transition that into like money laundering for a cartel in Mexico. So really, yeah. really, really good show. I did watch the first season of that when it came out and then uh, the second season came out and uh it's just hard for me to keep up with these series because, you know, I, I can only watch stuff like this after the baby goes to sleep. And then, you know, it's a it's a ticking time bomb after that um, between then and, and me passing out. Um, I do want to check out they, they put a new episode of Tiger King. It's not really an episode of Tiger King. It's Joel McHale uh, interviewing some of the characters from the show um, over like skype so it's like basically like what we're doing uh <laughs> nice. it's joel McHale in his house like interviewing the the people from the show that are still around while they're in quarantine 
Uh, so it's not like a true episode of Tiger King, but I'm definitely going to watch that tonight. I don't anything attached to that show. I'm going to be checking out. I think they're going to come on TMZ tomorrow night. I'll be tuning in for that. Um, good luck getting me to tune in for anything on TMZ, but if it's, uh, if it has to do with the Tiger King and that bitch, Carol Baskin, <laughs> yeah. Dude, Bill, I'm, I'm growing a mullet, man. Like I, I can't visit a barber and, and I'm, I'm waiting for it to come in a little bit more to, to do a show without the hat on. But man, Bill, uh, I'll tell you, dude, that Tiger King, he can sing, man. Uh, I sent you this video earlier in the week. I doubt you watched it because you just don't have time. I did. But, I did watch it. It was the um, whole music video for I Saw a Tiger. That's his best song, Bill. That song, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if that song went triple platinum after the documentary coming out. I, I would be surprised. That song is terrible. What? Bill, there's nothing. That's his only good song. Yeah, but it's not a good song. It is his <laughs> best song, but it's not. it's not good. I don't know, Bill. Maybe I've been in quarantine for too long. Maybe I'm comparing it to like the rest of his work. Yeah. Maybe I'm too close to the forest to see the trees on this one. That's that's what you have to wonder too. Like maybe Tiger King's not a good show, but because we were all so desperate for entertainment, it was just the perfect storm of of meth and murder. <laughs> oh man. And and plotting to murder and tigers. I was like, man, I just need to see some wild shit right now. And then along come like Tiger King's like, I got you. <laughs> yeah, dude. It wasn't the show we wanted, Bill, but it was the show we needed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like I put on my Instagram, uh, Tony Ferguson and Khabib is the fight we thought we wanted versus the fight we never knew we needed. <laughs> Joe Exotic versus Carol Baskin. <laughs> oh, man. All right, kid. Well, um, it, you know, we're. 11 minutes shy of an hour here, but I think um, we, we did all right considering there's no MMA going on. We're, we're still putting content out there. Um, I did mean to get some extra episodes uh, out for you guys as well. The uh, How I Met the Matt series is, is definitely going to continue. Uh, I just wasn't able to set up any interviews this week. I had some, I had some stuff going on, but um, you know, maybe next week I'll, I'll get one or two of those out for you guys and then uh you know we're always open to suggestions we're gonna keep doing this once a week try and give you guys a little distraction while all this craziness is going on in the world uh so hopefully it helps uh and if it doesn't i, I guess don't listen um there's that but uh we do appreciate you guys listening uh wherever you are please leave us a review uh if you leave us a funny one even if you're roasting us we'll, we'll read it on the air um Jeff, you got anything else you want to get off your chest, my man? Yeah, just hope everybody's being safe, you know, following the right precautions, hopefully. And, you know, try to keep entertained, you know, find something to read, find something to watch. But overall, I just hope everybody's being safe and, you know, just trying to make the best out of the situation we're in. You know, we're all in this together. And so it doesn't just suck for you. It sucks for everybody. So, you know, we're, we're with you guys. So just be safe, everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. I second all of that. And uh, if you took our recommendations on on anything you want to watch, whether it it be Cheers or the uh, documentaries, uh, send us some feedback. Let us know what you think about those things. And uh, let's let's keep a dialogue going. Um, you know, we're we're definitely here for you guys to to talk to as well. We're we're, we're sitting around with not too much to do. Um, 
So you can get a hold of Jeff at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. You guys get a hold of me everywhere else. MMA on the rocks, or you can send me an email MMA on the rocks, gmail.com. All right. That's all we got until next time. Cheers, everybody. Goodbye.